Yay. Good morning, everybody. So I get to talk to you about trust this morning. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this topic. So um, I just want to pray to open us up, even though Bill just did. I would like to, too. So, Lord, I just thank you um, that this is the topic that you wanted to talk to us about this morning. I pray that our hearts would be open to hear what you want to say. And I trust that I will be your mouthpiece, that you will um, communicate your heart to your congregation, to your sheep that you love. And um, we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. So we're going to talk about what trust is, why it's important, and what trust in God looks like as it plays out in our lives. Um, So first, trust in God is a firm reliance on the integrity and ability of him and his ability um, to have confidence in him, hope in him. And our trust grows through our personal experiences with him. And, um, you know, faith is the foundation of our walk with God. You know, we must first have faith in Jesus for salvation. But trust is the foundation of our intimate walk with God. Trust, um, when we trust him, we put ourselves close to him. And, and that is intimate. And he comes close. To, we trust allows God to come close to us. And um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about intimacy this morning. Do you, Diane, did the slides come through? So can you put the first one up? So just to help you file this in your brain, intimacy is the I in our um, FIRE acronym. These are our four core values that we emphasize as a church at New Day. And F is the Father Heart of God. And um, Mark spoke last week on how much God loves us. And that fits right in with his father heart. And um, trust is a lot about intimacy. So, so that's the I. I'm also going to be touching on the R, which is restoration. And, um, you know, we all have things from our lives growing up where we've, we've been hurt and wounded. And God loves to heal and restore us. And um, when we trust him, he is able to do that. So we're going to touch on that as well. Um, so um, it was really fun to to um, research trust and see all the Hebrew words. There's so many that are translated into our one word, trust, and um, and and some of the words mean like to wait patiently, to trust, to just kind of wait wait it out and others mean to like flee to him for protection go to him for refuge or safety to confide in but one of the most interesting ones one of the most uh intimate ones is the hebrew word amen (laughs) amen anyway um and it means to build up to foster as a parent or a nurse to be permanent, to stay, to be faithful, to trust, to believe. It means to go to the right hand, to that, to a place of assurance, um, at that right hand, that close place. It also means um, to nurse. It said nursing father, which is very intimate, to be fed and nursed. 
And um, so, so here's an analogy you can think of, to think of it this way. So picture for trust. Picture two children standing on a bench in front of their father, and and the dad puts his arms out to the kids and says, "Jump." And and one jumps and is caught by him, and the other is unsure and doesn't jump. The first learned trust through experience. The second didn't. The first had faith that the father would catch them, and he did, so the child that affirmed in the child, I can trust, I can entrust grew in that child. Now the second child... Their faith may have grown by watching their sibling get caught and, and may be more likely to jump next time. But they didn't get to learn trust that time because they didn't jump. They didn't have that experience. So through shared experience with the Father, our trust grows. And um, so we have a lot of new babies here at New Day, don't we? Wonderful little cuddly babies and I remember back to when my kids were babies and how many of you can relate to this thinking they they really don't do much other than eat sleep and poop like they're they're just there and they're so sweet but they're not really doing much well it turns out that they're learning that they can trust um the bible says that we first learn to trust at our mother's breast and it's it's God's perfect plan that our capacity to trust would be developed in infancy. Now, whether they're breastfed or not, bottle-fed too, you're at that place of intimacy and closeness and held, and and um, and that is where he plans that we would first learn that. Psalm um, 22.9 says, You brought me out of the womb. He brought us out of the womb. Isn't that cool? He's like the midwife. Um you made me trust in you, and that word made is can also be translated you set me to tr- you set me in a place to trust in you um, even at my mother 's breast and so God gives us the opportunity to learn security and confidence in that intimate, close, restful place now um, some babies learn that they can 't trust. And if never shown otherwise, we'll still struggle as adults to trust God. So if your life experiences cause you to learn that people are untrustworthy, you may feel skeptical or feel fearful towards them. And if that's what you know, then you may be afraid of God too. Afraid of what he's thinking, what he's going to say, is he going to be mean, is he going to be angry? Um, Proverbs 29:25 says, "Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe." And so, when we have—I guess I didn't give you that verse. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, fear of man will prove to be a snare. So, when we have fear, and those fear thoughts are consuming our mind, we're actually in a snare. We're actually trapped. But when we're trusting, we're kept safe. You know, trust thoughts are going through our mind, and we are we are safe in the Lord, and He keeps us safe. So I just want to tell you that God is different than any poor earthly experiences that you may have had. He's different than man. 
And I got the sense during worship this morning that a lot of you know this. And then I also got the sense that there were some sheep off to the side that didn't know this. I always <laughs> so I have a tissue guy, I never know what's going to come. So if... If you're, if you're, if you're the, if you're those uh, sheep that don't know you can trust, he wants you to know that this morning. Um, <clears throat> so when we trust in God, uh, it fuels our ability to trust in Him the next time. It's a beautiful building cycle, and it grows and grows as we walk with the Lord. So. Psalm 91, 1 through 4 is, is a great scripture to show what is trust like. And I've put in bold all the words that are squishy, that are, are like trust. Um, and what, <laughs> what trust does, the effects of trust. So he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The sh- to be in someone's shadow, you have to be close, right? Right next to him. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You shall not be afraid when, and it goes on to list all these instances when you could be afraid. And so he is a safe place. He's a fortress where you can go inside and be completely protected. He covers you with his feathers like warm, comfort, soft, close. He is faithful. He stays. Um, he's a shield. He's a protector when things are shot our way. And a rampart is like a, um, a mound of raised earth for defense. So he's our defense. And um, so when, when we're filled with trust, trust has a way of settling our heart. It feeds life to our spirit. It settles the soul, settles the body, settles the stomach, settles your mind, and settles your action. Um, and when, um, as I was preparing for this, I felt like God kind of downloaded to me the process of what happens in your heart when you trust. And so I'm going to try to explain it. So when trust plays out in your life, it might look like this. Let me get some water. So first, first we, we decide to trust. And, and it's, a resting, um, it's a resting on his chest or under his wing. It, it's positioning yourself against him close so that he can provide for you, keep you safe and warm. So this is what we do. We say, God, I trust you. And then what he does is he deposits peace in us. And, and it, settles, it settles on us and fills us. And it's a peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't, it's outside of our understanding. It doesn't um, make sense from an earthly standpoint. It wouldn't be what would be expected in, on earthly standards in a given situation. So it's a peace that comes from him. And then when we're filled with that peace, then we can meditate on a truth about God. 
And God, you're good. God, you're near. And, and your mind is then filled with these truths about God. And then as those truths are being filled up in you, hope starts to rise up. And you, and you have this ability to look forward to and expect and patiently await God to be who he is for you. And then, um, and then gentleness comes. Um, the Bible says to let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness is um, peace in action. Gentleness implies action, right? Um, and so it's peace in action, having gentleness towards yourself, towards others. And that action is godly living. And um, is, is living a godly life. And, and another thing I felt like God was saying for you this morning is that... Um, that many of you are desiring a life free from the fruits of the flesh. That you're, you're desiring to live a life full of the fruits of the Spirit. And, and some of you have come, become discouraged with your progress. You, you don't want to have these fruits of the flesh, and you're, but you're feeling discouraged with your progress. And God is saying to you this morning that trust comes first. And that's where it starts. And so... I want to talk about a heart that trusts. What a heart that trusts can do. A heart that trusts can offer freedom to others. There's no seeking to control their thoughts or their behaviors. You're able to offer them freedom. A heart that trusts has has grace for itself and, and mercy towards others. There's no condemnation or judgment coming out. Because they know that God is the judge and he's the one who decides. Um, A heart that trusts can also rejoice with the good in others' lives. um, Because it knows that he gives good gifts to his children and has good things in store for you. And that he doesn't ever run out of good. And his, his resources, his blessings, his favor don't run out and aren't diminished in any way towards you when someone else gets something good. And um, trusting in this truth about God then enables you to live free from greed, envy, and jealousy. Because when we dwell on what another person has, our eyes aren't on God, our eyes are on them and that thing that they have. But when our eyes are on God, we can trust in Him as the giver of all good things. And then thankfulness and hope and expectation can rise up in our hearts. Because we know that He will gift marvelous things to me too. He will gift marvelous things to you too. And it'll, it'll be cool and it'll be perfect. Just what would be a great gift just for you. Because He knows you really well. He made you. He gave, he put desires in your heart and he gives you those desires. He fulfills those desires. A heart that trusts can be generous. Um, you can feel happy and secure financially because you know Father God is an abundant provider. A heart that trusts can honor others. And, you know, humility is required in order to honor someone. 
And trust is required to have humility. Um, you know, we get to be humble in ourselves, worship God, build others up, and, and to honor them is, is, is to see their value, see their God-given value, and, and to speak out their value and treat them as a valued one. And, um, and so it's like God, so speak their value out, honor them, and, um, and there's no pride there with humility. You, you realize that God is the one honoring you. He's the one holding you up, lifting you up. I like to say that pride is working hard to hold yourself up or honor yourself while humility is being at rest while God holds you up or honors you. Pride is working hard to hold yourself up to honor yourself while humility is being at rest while God holds you up or honors you. And the pressure's off then when you're not working to hold yourself up. Your arms are free. You can um, honor others. You can worship God. Worship Him first. Honor others second. And, um, and we can walk in humility. And, and that's just a neat progression. Humility is required in order to honor. And trust is required to have humility. So um, another thing that a heart that trust can do is accept. I have two more. Quite a lengthy list here. I'm sure there's others, but these are, is it good? Okay, good. Um, a heart that trusts can accept God's timing, even when it's different from our timing. And I think as Christians, we all must come to a place where we submit to his timing. At some point in your life, you'll have to struggle, you'll have to battle with this a little bit because his timing's different and come to the place where you submit to his timing. It's different than our understanding of time. But we say, God, it doesn't take me fully understanding your timing before I'll trust in you. I'll trust you now and I may or may not understand later. But fully understanding why isn't a prerequisite to me trusting you. Fully understanding why isn't a prerequisite to me trusting you. What I do understand, though, is that you're good, that you're faithful, that you're near, that you're true. Let's all take a deep breath. That's the length of your life in the way God sees time. That is quite a different perspective, huh? So different. Um, and uh, we can rest and be at peace knowing that he works everything out. He is working in other people's hearts. He's working in my heart. And he will bring to completion the good things that he promised. So what about all the bad that's being piled on a problem in the meantime while we wait? That's kind of a tough thing, right? For waiting and, and more hurt is being piled on. And God's perspective on that is he's not worried about it because there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that he can't restore or redeem. There's not 
he knows he gets the last say. There's not a single piece of ash that he can't turn to beauty. So he he doesn't get worked up about the little things along the way. He sees the big picture. He knows what he's going to do. And he knows that he can, he can redeem and, and turn everything to good. Um, and then, and then finally, when, when a heart that trusts can be free from worry and anxiety. Um, because it knows that God supplies all my needs. He knows me. He likes me. I can trust. He's good. He doesn't leave me alone. In fact, so much so that he sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of me so I'd never be alone. He's always with us. And then he also gives us friends and a church family and and physical people to be around so we're not alone in that way. But you're never alone even when you're by yourself. He, We can be free from worry and anxiety because we know he doesn't trick us. He doesn't leave us lacking. He's not cruel. He's not harsh. He doesn't teach us to swim by pushing us in the deep end and saying, Swim! Um, you know, he, he comes alongside us. He helps us. He, he works all things for good for those that love God and are called according to his purposes. If you love God, if you're walking in obedience to him, he will work all things for good. And the Bible says to cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. He's the one that cares for you. You don't have to care for yourself, ultimately. Um, so I, I want to quickly share um, a few little excerpts from Abraham's story. He trusted God, and there's some great examples of of the way he lived because he trusted God. And so I'm going to take little bits from Genesis chapters 11 through 22. And I wish I had time to just do the whole thing because it's so great. But um, I'm just going to highlight a few. So um, Abraham started out as Abram. His name doesn't change to Abraham until much later. And his wife's name is Sarai at this time. And they start out living in Ur, which is southern Iraq. And um, Abram's father, Terah, says, we're going to move to Canaan. And so he takes Abram, Sarai, and um, Abram's nephew, Lot, who is fatherless. His father died, and Abram doesn't have any children yet, and so there's a bond, and he takes him under his wing and, and, and kind of adopts him as a father, it seems. And so they're close, and, and they head up the Euphrates River about 600 miles, and they end up settling in Haran. They don't go all the way to Canaan, so they're there. Then Terah dies, the father, and God speaks to Abr- Abram and says... I want you to continue the journey to Canaan. And at that time, he also promises that he will greatly bless Abram. That all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. He's going to make him famous. God's going to bless people who bless him. Curse people who curse Abram. And that through his descendants and through his huge family, the earth is going to be blessed. 
Now, this is quite a promise for um, a 75-year-old man with a 66-year-old wife and no children. And But God gives us these promises, even when they seem quite unlikely. So time passes, and, um, and Abram and Lot are greatly blessed. Their herds grow, their households grow, they have you know, hundreds of servants, and then they are married and have kids, so they just have a large household and possessions. So much so that it's too much. The land cannot support Lot's and Abram's possessions. And and there's quarreling breaking out. So Abram, to diffuse the situation, says, let's part ways. Um, and he lets Lot choose which way he wants to go. To the east is this beautiful, lush land. The Bible says it's Eden-like. So like the Garden of Eden, well-watered, green, beautiful, obviously a great place to have your herds. And to the other side is not quite so lovely, more dry, and the land isn't as wonderful. Um, and but Abram lets Lot choose. He honors Lot and and prefers him. He's generous with Lot because he trusts what God told him. I will bless you. He didn't take it in his own hands. Well, since I'm going to have all these great things happen to me, I need to have the best because that's what makes sense. You know, there's no greed in in Abram, and so he lets Lot choose. And Lot, of course, chooses the beautiful. Um, land and and so Abram goes to the other and um, as soon as as they part ways God speaks to him again and says look around everything you see I will give to you and your children forever go ahead look walk it walk walk all over and explore everything that's going to be yours and I'm going to give you so many descendants it'll be impossible to count them and um what a promise. So again, he's promising children and they don't have any. And just to to kind of speed through this next section, that God's timing is so different because years later, eventually, Sarah and Abraham... Sarah and Abram have a son, Isaac. And um, it was 25 years of waiting. And I'm sure... They probably maybe wanted children before that, but from the time that God promised it. So I did the math. She lived to be 127 years old. So let's say we live to be 85. That's like waiting for 16 and a half years. That's a long time. And I just am blown away by God's timing. But he promises things. He comes through. And we, we get to trust him in the meantime and submit and know that he takes care of everything. Um, and, then, and then the other thing I wanted to talk about from Abram's, Abraham's story is um, um, that so Isaac grows. Isaac is now in his 30s. And God decides to test Abraham and asks him to offer his dear beloved son as uh, a burnt offering to him. And so because Abraham trusts God, he obeys. The next morning, he, he goes right out with his son and his two servants and they head out to Mount Moriah 
where it's a three-day walk, and and that's where they're he's going to obey God and trust Him. And um, Isaac is carrying the wood, and as they're walking up the mountain, Isaac says, "Father," Abraham replies, "Yes, my son." I just love that reply. He's about to kill his son and love in his voice. Yes, son. Isaac says, we have the flint, we have the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? How many of you felt like that? I have this, I have that, but the thing I need most, where is it, God? Abraham says, God will see to it that there's a sheep for the burnt offering. There was no worry or anxiety. So, they kept walking together. Abraham completely trusted God. He was at peace. And that, um, that truth that he, know he, he knew he could trust God allowed him to act in gentleness. and allowed him to obey God. And then the story ends amazingly. God stops Abraham just as he's about to kill Isaac and says, Don't touch the boy. Abraham looks up and sees a ram caught in the, in the thicket and offers the ram as a burnt offering to God. And so I just wanted to share that story because there's a, some examples of trust in there that I thought were really good. So in closing, let's look at Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. So let's break that down. First, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And um, so I just want us to ask the Lord this morning, is there any part of my heart that's not trusting you? Because trust is the foundation of our intimate walk with God. It allows Him close. It allows Him to look in and explore the nooks and crannies of our hearts. And uh, I just want Him to dust every shelf until we're spotless. You know, He's making for Himself a pure and spotless bride. And when we trust Him, He can come close and and clean any, any nooks and crannies so that all, so trust in the Lord with all your heart. Second, lean not on your own understanding. Um, you know, acknowledge that God's understanding is different than our earthly understanding and don't lean on that. Lean on His understanding, His way of thinking, His way of viewing things. And then third, in all your ways acknowledge Him. Look to Him in everything. Not just your crises a couple times a year. Look to him in everything. And he will make your path straight. He will lead you. He will make a way. He will show you the way. So um, that is what I have to share with you about trust. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you that you are beckoning us to, to trust you deeper. And uh, so right now we just open our hearts to you and position ourselves to trust. We position ourselves against your chest and um, and, and, and say, uh, teach us, teach us to trust you more, God. And um, I pray that you would reveal if there's any areas where we're not trusting you, any areas where we're not able to live godly 
because of a lack of trust. Just pray you would build a a stronger, stronger foundation of trust in each of our hearts. Thank you that that's where you want to start and that's where you've always intended it would start with trust. Love you, Lord. Amen.